Hello and welcome to another episode of the Growth Podcast. I'm your host, Matt Blotti, and I am really excited today to have Annie Mossbacher back on the podcast. We had her once before when she was working at Nation Builder and recently, uh, almost a year ago now, uh, switched over to doing a growth marketing agency, doing consulting on her own. And I want to talk about that whole transition, some of the stuff that she has learned along the way. Uh, I know a lot of folks that I've talked to in growth always wonder can they do it on their own? What would that look like? Uh, how would they build that? How would they get new clients and and all that? So we have Annie. Annie, thanks so much for, for joining here again. Yeah, Matt, thanks for having me. Absolutely. So why don't, uh, why don't you give it just like the quick uh, rundown of your background and then we'll go ahead and hop right in. Yeah. So I have been working in uh, the SaaS space for just about the better part of a decade. Um, I was at Nation Builder, which you mentioned, um, for several years, worked at a, another SaaS company uh, over the, the 2020 year, uh, mostly in kind of marketing and customer success work. So retention and growth marketing being the two pillars that I really love to do, um, leading uh, teams that really focus on kind of B2B, uh, both SMB and, and enterprise growth. Awesome. And so let's talk about your switch to running Decoded Strategies, which is your agency, uh, firm, consulting, whatever you want to call it. Uh, why did you make the switch going from practitioner to that? Was it just you wanted more control over your lifestyle? Was it, you know, tell me, tell me more about that. Yeah, it still is kind of wild, actually, that that switch happened in my life. So it's, it's fun to think back and talk about. Um, so I had joined a new company just right like three months before the pandemic hit. So I had made a switch, was really excited to join a new software company. The pandemic hit and then, you know, we all had the year that we had, which was not what any of us thought was going to happen. Um, so 2020 was, you know, rough, man. It was, a, it was a year where I think all of us in retention and growth had some of the like biggest professional challenges, certainly that I've ever had. Um, and so my year was very full of facing new challenges, retention, how we could support our customers and keep them with us just in every possible way. Um, so it was it was an exciting year in a lot of ways for professional growth. It was a challenging year. And I think by by the end of 2020, when we kind of got over the, the hump of the pandemic, um, I was feeling the reality of pandemic burnout and just having, you know, not only come off of that year, but also come off of um, several years of leading really large teams um, and thinking about, you know, what what's next for me and what am I looking for? So uh, that was, you know, a pivotal moment where I kind of took stock of there are these exciting projects and things that I really wanted to seek out. Um, certainly the idea that you mentioned of like managing my own day and being my own boss, that, that stuff was exciting as well. But it really was more, uh, you know, I wanted to take a little bit of a shift, make sure that I was continuing to challenge myself. Um, and this seemed like the, the right way to do it. I love that. And it's something that I always think about for folks that are making that jump or, you know, the hesitation I hear is like, I, you know, I don't know if I could pull it off. Like, do I have the expertise or the, the network to get clients? Like what gave you the confidence that you could actually make this leap? Was there confidence? I don't know. Let me, <laughs> I think um, certainly there were, there were decision, you know, there were, there were deciding factors that came into play. Um, you know, and still to this day, like I said, it's like, gosh, I can't believe that this is my life now. It's been incredible, but it was a hard leap to your point. I think, you know, there's a lot of self-doubt. There's a lot of worry. It's really risky, especially when you've come from the tech world where for all intents and purposes, things are pretty stable. You know, there's decent job security. There's good stability. There's a lot of, you know, opportunities to, to grow in that world. 
Um, so a couple of factors for me, I think, really ended up sealing the deal. Uh, throughout the pandemic, I just organically through my network was receiving so many notes and emails and texts, like looking for thought partnership, looking for some advice and strategy around retention, being that we were in, to some extent, uncharted territory. And so, you know, it made me realize, like, not only within the company that I was in, certainly we were wrestling with that, but it really just instilled a more visceral understanding that the, the tech world as a whole was, was struggling with this. So it made me realize that, you know, there was a new vector to the market of the need for consultancy and agency work and growth marketing and retention. There are new challenges that, you know, everybody was just trying to figure out. So I knew that there was a bit of a market for it in particular within my own network, which was really promising. I'm not sure that I would have made the leap if I didn't have people that I knew that were hungry for that type of support. Um, I also, at the same time, as I was kind of going through this, you know, my own process, one of my very best friends and former colleagues, Kristen, uh, you know, was also thinking about going off on her own. And so we just realized there was like a perfect moment of serendipity where if we wanted to take the leap, we could do it together um, and decided to go into business. So that was both um, exciting to know that I didn't have to do it alone, uh, but also the opportunity to work with somebody who I'd worked with before. Um, and our partnership is such that like we bring out the best in each other. And so in pursuit of that personal growth, I thought who better than to, to be able to work and build something with um, someone who I just think so highly of and I know will challenge me. So I think the the knowledge that there was already a bit of a, of a soft pipeline for my network and the prospect of doing it with somebody that I knew was just going to be a badass partner really helped. Yeah, that's awesome. You have the confidence that you and her could figure it out uh, and enough of a, a, enough of a starting point. Mm-hmm. I, I think another... You, you know, when I think about people making that leap, I think some like there there is the I am all in by committing to this no matter what. And then there is the other strategy, which is kind of like, I'll do it on the side on the weekends and yeah. see what happens. Like, do you have any thoughts for the difference between those or, you know? Yeah, you know, there's certainly, I think, a place for a side hustle to, to happen. I think the the building of an entire business with real desire to grow and scale into something significant, I don't know that that's doable as like a side hustle nights and weekends. I think there's a lot of opportunity for um, people who have really fulfilling careers, but want to kind of take something else on, whether from a financial perspective or, you know, just personal growth perspective to plug in as like a contractor or to take on a few jobs or a few gigs here or there. Um, but for us, we really wanted to build something for the long term, build it sustainably, really like thinking ahead to like a five, 10 year mark. And I'm not sure that we would have been able to do that with as much enthusiasm and as much energy as just like taking the plunge and doing it ourselves full time. Yeah. So it sounds like a lot of it ties to what is the intention here? Is the intention making a little bit of extra money or is the intention to build something with a very clear vision and that, and that you want to scale up? Totally. So you, you're talking a little bit about how you were getting some, some early inbound from, from folks. Uh, how did you, I mean, it sounds like you just kind of worked with them and figured out, you know, let's take something on. But how did you decide the type of work that you were going to do? Did you sit down with your partner and say, we are going to, we are going to focus on X, Y, and Z type of work. And we're going to do that and deliver it. Or was it kind of more of just like, okay, this client needs this, we'll, you know, do some bespoke thing. And then the next one bespoke thing, like talk us through that. Mm -hmm. 
So there was a lot of intention in our early days and kind of how to, to tackle exactly that, that question. Um, you know, we read a whole bunch of books about starting your own business. So we tried to, you know, seek a lot of advice. And frankly, any philosophy you could create, there's a book that backs it up. So, so you know, we took from, from all of the resources out there what was helpful. But the big things that kind of drove how we both built our, our products and services as well as sought out specific types of clients we really started with um, a pretty robust exercise to identify who do we believe is our ideal client? Like what is our ideal client profile? What do we think we can deliver on? And who do we think will most benefit from those things? So when we think about building those products and services and how we wanted to start, it was really hand in hand with both our skills and what we believed we had to, to deliver, but also who would make the best use of that? What's the, the client profile? So, um, you know, that client profile has changed over the course of the year. We don't, you know, hold it hard and fast, but it is our North Star and our guiding light. And when we have deviated from that, afterwards, we're like, man, we should have known. <laughs> we should have known that this was just outside of really what we've, what we've learned. So in terms of kind of where we started with our products and services, um, you know, my background is squarely in SaaS growth, marketing, and retention. Um, Kristen comes from a really deep kind of brand marketing and storytelling background. So we wanted to put those things together and think about, you know, how do they align? How can we deliver value in a very saturated market? That's something that we think about a lot. There are a lot of marketing consultancies out there. Uh, and so we kind of honed it in on um, kind of a mix of both strategy and execution uh, in in mind of growth marketing is the place that we want to start. But if you don't think about retention, when you build your marketing messaging, your marketing strategy, your go-to-market plan, you're totally screwed in the long run. So we really take a focus on um, almost retention-minded marketing from a messaging perspective and an execution of funnel perspective as well. Before we hopped into the recording, we were talking a little bit about the, the difference in the type of work that you could take on, which is either like a little more focused on strategy or the like deep in the weeds execution. And you just said, you know, there, there is a, a little bit of a balance that you've, you've struck between both of those things. How do you think about that? You know, ver like the building an agency around like we're going to show up and like get in the weeds and like set up the systems and build the campaigns and do everything versus like a little bit more of a higher level. Yeah. Well, for the most part, we've indexed more on the higher level strategy work. Um, there, there are a few reasons for that. The, the first is our background. That's really where we have more experience and expertise. Um, having come from being in executive level positions, like overseeing really large marketing and success teams, most of my work was big picture, high level strategy, delegation to team members to do some of the in the weeds. Um, so, you know, from, from both our background perspective, as well as just recognizing the greatest value we can deliver to clients, I just don't know if, you know, me spending 20 hours over a month, like digging into segment and like plugging it into the product and like figuring out how to pipe it into something else. That's just not the greatest use of my time, frankly, because it's not my greatest strength. And I think we have other things to deliver. So, um, that has certainly you know, come up in, in client conversations and when we've talked to leads and prospects who um, are very execution-minded and almost don't even care as much about the strategy. They just recognize we don't have somebody on staff who can get into the weeds and kind of get into the tech and do stuff that we need. Um, I've actually found that to be really detrimental when companies just want to go towards execution and just want to get the technical person to get under the hood. 
um, because it can cause some spinning wheels, especially if you bring a consultant in to do that under the hood work. So we really try to encourage, like, let's start with strategy. Let's dig into what are some of the challenges you're having. Is it an onboarding? Is it an activation? Is it in retention? Are you not, you know, building a big enough pipeline? And then from there, we can really dig into um, pretty prescriptive strategies and action plans that then we hand over to them to execute. Yeah, it, it makes sense. And, you know, it wouldn't be a growth podcast if we didn't talk about scaling in any way. So how do you think about, you know, it's you and your partner uh, and you're almost a year in now. How do you think about scaling yourselves, right? Like it sounds like your superpowers are around the, the strategic stuff. And, and how do you scale that? And do you, is it necessarily a thing that you need to or want to do? Like how, how, do you, how do you approach that future? Totally. So probably because my background comes from SaaS, like all I ever think about is scaling and growing and like, are we doing things efficiently? So it has been such an interesting challenge to apply that background to a services organization. It's really, really different. Um, but I love the challenge. And I actually think there is so much that <clears throat> agencies and consultancies and service-based organizations can pull from SaaS companies and recurring revenue companies. So when we think about scale, there's like a couple of different ways, you know, that, that we're trying to figure that out and we're thinking about it. One is certainly the types of products that we deliver. So, um, you know, with that kind of strategy focus that that anchors most of our, our products, we also know that our greatest superpower, both Kristen and I and what we share, is that we really have the ability to facilitate dialogue with clients and to tease out ideas and tease out the best kernels of content that they have in their minds and like just can't articulate. I think that's a big challenge people in marketing have in particular. We even have it with our own business. We work with external marketers to help us market our business because when you're so close to something, it's just really, really challenging to come at it from an objective perspective. So that's really how we approach kind of our, our strategy sessions, our kind of strategy recommendations and findings is um, it's very collaborative with the client, very facilitation based so that we can pull everything we need from people. That's problematic in scale because that requires Kristen and I to be on conversations with all of our clients. So we've been really thinking about that and what what can we distill that superpower down to like the smallest kernel, the MVP of our facilitated style of service and what does that look like so um for us we haven't we haven't figured it out we haven't cracked the nut yet if any listener has please you know email me and let me know uh, but what we've been trying to do is figure out is there like a diy product we could build where we infuse it with a lot of our best practices and our approach but that somebody who can't pay a, a decently hefty price point for us might be able to you know reap some rewards and, and get some value from that on their own um, we've we've really tried to build our products in a way that they can scale up and down for an SMB market and a price point as well as enterprise. So we think about that too. What's what's a kind of SMB version of a of a strategy package versus what's you know something that will appeal more to our enterprise clients. So I think that's really for us like how can we scale efficiently with our superpower. And we want to make sure that we're diversifying our, our client base so that we've got a healthy SMB business and an enterprise business to make sure that that sustains us in growing for the future. Yeah, I love the way that you're thinking about it, because I, I mean, at core, the way you explain it is just the same that you would build a software product. You think about the target customers, the different price points. It's all about packaging and uh, and, and delivering that to market. Um you, you had also mentioned, I think, when, when we were talking earlier uh, outside of this podcast, um, 
was that you started to bring in uh, some folks for contracting to help like, you know, uh, open up some more of your hours. Tell us more about that. Yes. So we did that pretty early on. Um, and that was a bit of a risk, you know, <laughs> contracting out work that is very expensive, that can be very expensive and hits your margins. Um, so we kind of started out the year with a pretty conservative kind of financial model and, and growth model where we pay very close attention to our margins. We pay very close attention to our profit margins in particular. Um, that's really important to us. And so the decision for us and like looking at it almost on a matrix of, you know, more of our time, what will that result in? Even if it's at the mercy of paying contractors and being bringing contractors on, like, you know, where where is the algorithm that maximizes all of it? So um, we've kind of approached that from a place of um, hiring contractors for certain functions. So we do, uh, in, in many of our client projects, um, execute copywriting. So if we build a strategy and kind of figure out the sales funnels that a company needs to execute on, um, a lot of that does hinge on coming up with a core brand messaging that can be used in marketing and retention strategies. I feel really passionately that there is not enough alignment between marketing teams and customer success teams around messaging. That's like a whole other conversation we can have. Um, but because of that belief, we do a lot of copywriting. Um, well, Kristen and I can copyright. I think we're pretty decent copywriters. Um, we like it okay, but it isn't necessarily, you know, the, the best use of our hours in growing the business and is something that we can absolutely contract out to people who are excellent copywriters who want that type of side hustle work to go back to our first question uh, and are eager and hungry to kind of take on things, you know, here and there. So um, we've really kind of looked at what are the different functions that are required for us to run our business and to deliver client work that we might be able to contract out. Um, and copywriting has been a big one. We, we have a couple of other places that we've brought on our, our contractors to help with, but that's been a huge, huge help for us in scaling our time and making us as efficient as we can possibly be. That is awesome. And when you think about, you know, scaling the business, not just beyond your hours uh, with, with contractors, but future customers as well, you know, you got your starting point with some inbound. How do you think about scaling your pipeline so that you can get future clients? That's, you know, something uh, that I imagine many folks are thinking about as well. If they're thinking about making the leap, you know, they could probably get a couple things going, but how do you actually like turn that over into more business over time? Excellent question. So, uh, I am kind of an insomniac and what I usually spend my nights doing is thinking about work. I'll like text myself things and like send myself emails, like all the stuff that, that um, eats up my brain in the middle of the night. And that's one of them. Like, how are we going to continue to grow and increase our pipeline? Um, you know, we started this business with the desire to help as many people as we possibly could. And for us to like, shoot for the stars and see how big we can grow this thing. So we are always thinking about how we can grow and scale specifically from a pipeline perspective and, and a client-based perspective. So I do think the focus on building an SMB and enterprise business um, and, and that, you know, two different sides of the business has been a big driver for us. There are a lot of consultancies and agencies and even, you know, solopreneurs out there who just want to go for the big fish. And we've seen excellent, excellent marketers and really brilliant strategists build their agencies with the goal of getting a handful of, you know, seven figure retainer clients on board. Um, that takes a lot to support. So they've also then had to build a really big staff and, you know, a lot of technical infrastructure to be able to support that. And as soon as one of those clients leaves, you're screwed. And we've seen, again, brilliant businesses go under for that. 
So, you know, again, that diversity, I think for us is, is a big deal. And so in thinking about how to build the pipeline, um, we look at a lot of our acquisition uh, tactics in funnels. Like what are the different funnels that we want to create so that we can attract those two segments to us in a relatively equitable way? Um, again, we haven't totally figured it out yet, but we're really trying to figure out, especially going into the new year, um, we've been so lucky this year with our inbound. How can we increase that inbound and maybe even start to think about outbound? And what does that look like so that we are building a sustainable low end and high end parts of parts of our business? Um, we also do not take for granted upsell. So a big part of our revenue growth this year has been through upsell. Um, again, I think because we look at marketing with such a retention eye, there's like a meta piece to that, that we want to retain our clients. We want to continue to grow and build relationships with our clients. Um, but we also really want to encourage every one of our clients and their business to like not stop just because you have a beautifully written brand new website you need to now think about how you're going to get more eyeballs on it. Once you get more eyeballs on it, how are you making more sales? Once you get more sales, how are you retaining those customers? How are you increasing renewals, et cetera? Um, so I think that, you know, in addition to increasing our inbound and increasing our, our new client acquisition, upsell strategy is going to be a big one for us. And it's something that I get really excited about um, and isn't always a big focus for agencies um, who just want to get somebody on a retainer and then just like set it and forget it, which is not really our model. So this next question might be a little silly, uh, given how excited you are and how much energy you have. Uh, like, are are you happy with this switch from in the weeds practitioner to, to consultant? And I, I guess I, I would add to, is there anything you explicitly miss, uh, you know, that you look at and say, oh, I, I wish I had that, but, you know, still better off this way? Mm, yes, totally, totally on all of those things. So um the, the short answer to that is I'm so happy with the decision that I made and, and the way that things have been going so far. Um, you know, it's it's actually like one of my happiest years professionally because I get to build something from scratch. I'm really helping to drive the, the course of what we do. And every decision that I make, every decision that I make with my business partner, we see <laughs> the, the positive or negative of that. And I think it's it's hard in a really large tech company in particular to see that immediate result of your actions and your decisions. And so there's something so rewarding about that. Um, in my career, I had gotten to a point um, th that I loved, but that also um, was a challenge, which is I, I started managing such large teams that so much of my role certainly was high level strategy, but a lot of it was about kind of the management of a relatively large organization that, that sat under me. Um, and that took me away from being able to get into strategy and planning and almost the like creative strategy that I found myself really hungry for. Um, and so that's a bit of a double-edged sword. I really miss managing people. That was always something that I loved about my career. I miss having a team. I miss running team meetings. I miss setting like massive scale OKRs, which I know is so nerdy, but I just, I, I did, I really loved that part of my job, but it has also, uh, the absence of that has freed me up to, um, kind of tap into almost a, a more creative strategic brain that just wasn't possible when I was working in the tech grind where there was always, you know, crisis or there was always a quota that wasn't being hit and there was always, you know, management need or hiring. And um, this has just freed me up to, to kind of engage my brain in a different way, which um, I'm really so thankful for. That's awesome. What a what a cool thing to be able to say that this is one of your happiest years professionally. That is Oh, it's amazing. Impressive. And like I've gotten to work with companies 
that I never, never in my wildest dreams would have thought I'd be able to work with. And so I think that's been another big benefit is, um, you know, you get to work with so many different people, personalities, companies, challenges. Uh, you know, when Kristen and I get on a sales call with a new company, like both of our eyes just start to light up when they describe really gnarly, hard problems because, you know, we've either seen that before or we haven't and we want to be able to apply interesting, you know, ways of solving that, that problem. So it's been, um, yeah, it's been awesome. That is amazing. Uh, all right. Before we wrap here, was there anything else that you want to touch on that we maybe didn't get a chance to talk about yet? Yeah, I think... Um, you know, as I was reflecting on this and thinking about people out there who might want to make the, the leap for themselves, hopefully this was all helpful. Um, but something that for me, I've tried to kind of hold on as a mantra, as I've learned over the course of the year, is to be open to surprises. Um, so I am somebody who likes to plan. I like to have a plan. I like there to be a plan. That is just my nature. And throughout my you know adulthood, I've learned that sometimes you have to go with the flow. Um, and agility is, is uh, certainly something I, I don't take for granted. But the course of this year, like the number of surprises that have come up in positive and in not so great ways has just been astounding. And we've learned so much from the kind of unexpected things that, that pop up. Um, one of our kind of best verticals that we've started to work with is enterprise IT providers. I have never done anything with IT in my entire life. I know the word Kubernetes because like one time I was in a software engineering, like you know, stand up where they brought it up. Um, but that's just not really a, a vertical or an, an area that we ever would have thought, oh, that's going to be a bread and butter part of our business. Uh, but really organically over the, the year, that has been, uh, you know, an industry that really needs a lot of marketing support that doesn't have a lot of resources. It taps into um, our technical brains because we come from a SaaS place so we can understand just enough to be able to make it really palatable for a wider audience. Um, and what a surprise and what a fr fruitful surprise that's been. So uh, I would say for anybody that is looking to kind of uh, summon the energy and confidence to make a leap, um, be open to surprises because they may end up, you know, being the, the make it or break it moment. So keep keep an eye out for those. Love it. What a great thing to end on. Annie, thank you so much for joining again on the podcast. It has been a pleasure. You're welcome, Matt. It's so good to talk with you. Yeah. Uh, all right. All of you listening, thank you so much for doing so. I know there are so many things you can listen to, watch, work on, play. Like, There's so many things you could spend your time doing and you're spending it here listening to the podcast and I super appreciate it. Uh, if you're a fan, you know, leave a review. I'm trying to get a few more written reviews there. Uh, also, if you got any feedback, ideas for topics, guest suggestions, whatever it might be, my email is matt at drift.com. Thank you again for listening and I will catch you on the next episode.